Hello everybody, Steampunk Link here with just a quick announcement before we get started today. Uh, so I just wanted to let you know that Emmy Zero's voice is going to sound a little bit different in this episode. Uh, that is because we had been experimenting with some pitch shifting technology, um, something that ultimately we decided not to go through with. Unfortunately, I lost the original unshifted audio for Emmy's voice in this episode. Uh, that is on me. That is my bad. And so we talked about it for a while and ultimately decided to just put this episode up as is. So she's going to sound different here. It's not the way she's going to sound going forward. She's going to sound more like she did in episode zero going forward. So uh, my apologies to her for losing the audio and my apologies to you for any confusion this may cause. But with that out of the way, on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Snescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo Library. We play the games briefly, judge them harshly, and rank them. That's pretty much all you need to know. I'm Steampunk Link. With me, as always, is my good friend, Emmy Zero. Hello, everybody. I am excited to be back here again, sailing through waters charted and uncharted with you on this journey through the history of the Super Nintendo. Yeah, we've got an actual episode today Woo-hoo! with games. Yeah, we had we had one game last time. Uh, some might say the best game. I mean, it's it's a, a great one for sure, but it is only one game. And we got four whole games this time to talk about. Yeah, uh, what have we what have we got today, Steampunk Line? So today on the docket, we have got F-Zero, Pilot mm-hmm. Wings, Gradius 3, and Sim City. These were all released in August of 1991. These uh, may have, in fact, all been launch games here in North America. Because we are going chronologically, we thought it might be useful to give you all a few headlines from what was going on at the time. So every time we enter a new month, we're going to do that. And to do that, let's take it away to Newsy. It's August 1991. Brian Adams, everything I do has been topping the charts since the end of July and will inexplicably continue until September. Michael J. Fox and Woody Harrelson's Duck Holiday gets released on the 2nd and goes on to gross 54 million. And the Soviet Union is collapsing right before our very eyes as Estonia, Latvia, Ukraine, Belarus, and more would declare or restore their independence from the USSR throughout the month. Back to you, Emmy Zero and Steampunk. Thank you for that, Newsy. And uh, without further ado, let's talk about some of these games. How, how do you... I was going to say, how do you feel about these games? But like, that that's silly. We're going to take them all one by one. You know, I mean, like... Yeah, yeah. I, I feel different ways about all of these games, probably. I do, too. Yeah, I have I have individual opinions about each one, actually. Best way, I think, to have opinions sometimes is individually based on, uh, you know, one thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess we'll start with F-Zero. Which I think is is a pretty iconic early Super Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's definitely one that was promoted heavily. It is a Nintendo Nintendo uh, EAD, in fact, developed game. That would be, you know, the same team that did uh, Super Mario World. That's Miyamoto's team. Uh, really kind of one of the, the A-level teams at Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an interesting game in a lot of ways, uh, especially for the time period. You know, so we talked a little bit about Mode 7 last time. Uh, It's not a technology that Super Mario World used a whole lot of, but it is something that is 
pretty much essential to the F-Zero experience. It absolutely is. This game is all about that Mode 7 scrolling uh, to create a fast, dynamic racing environment. And I think this is a point that's very worth underscoring, was nothing like any racing game that had come before it on a home console. There were other games that tried to go for speed or go for behind the the car perspective. There were a bunch of those um, for sure, but nothing that moved or looked or played really anything like F-Zero. Yeah, I mean, games as early as like Taito arcade games like Pole Position were kind of doing what F-Zero is doing, but F-Zero just adds so much more. The visual style of it, the sense of speed is amazing. I like the future aesthetic of it. It it really gave them room to play around with it. I mean, they could have just made a game like Pole Position that could have been just like a NASCAR F1 racer. Yeah, for sure. Um, They were this really kind of interesting sci-fi you know, I think very kind of like comic book inspired aesthetic, actually. Yeah. If you don't know what it is, uh, it is a futuristic kind of a hover hovercraft racing game uh, with very kind of twisty, intricate courses. A kind of interesting energy shield mechanic where your your vehicle does have what is essentially a life bar that gets depleted by bumping into other vehicles or running into walls or you know some obstacles on the track that you have to keep refreshed by going through kind of energy power up zones on the track there's speed boosts on the track uh jump pads f-zero actually the the name of it in the kind of the the fiction of F-Zero, which I, I think was probably only a thing that existed in, like, Nintendo Power Comics and, like, the uh, uh, instruction manual for the game. <laughs> yeah. You know, F-Zero is actually supposed to be kind of a take on, on Formula One, uh, F1 racing uh, in the future. Oh, my it's God. the future, How did I not... and rich people are bored, apparently. Draw that. I, I, I never put that together, that this is supposed to be, like... I know, me either. I, I was reading about it, and I was like, oh, of course it's it's Yeah, like it's so F1, obvious now, but, but that kind of blows yeah. my mind a little bit that I never connected the dots on that. Uh-huh. Huh. You got four different cars that you can play as, uh, which each have their own pilots, who once again aren't actually referenced in the game itself, uh, but they are referenced in the instruction manual. You have, of course, the iconic Captain Falcon with his Blue Falcon racing pod. I don't know what the cars, the, the general term for cars in F-Zero actually is. And then a few other characters that didn't really quite break out the same way that Captain Falcon did. So there is still like a sense of personality to them, to the cars, and, and even though the Mode 7 is used to basically create like a, a flat plane with like the illusion of that, I do think there's, there's a real sort of sense of personality to the world in this. I think it's a fun game. The courses really do require you to learn because they get very, very difficult pretty fast in this game. There's a few things um, going on with that game that I think kind of bring down the experience a little bit. Yeah. Uh, For one thing, it's only a one-player game. That's its biggest downfall, for sure. Yeah, for a system that has just come out, it comes with two controllers. You don't have a good two-player experience right out of the gate. The closest thing you've got is Super Mario World, which forces players to be alternating. Yeah, and you would think maybe a racing game would be a good thing for that, but... Yeah, in this case, it didn't really uh, 
didn't didn't happen. They didn't put in a uh, two-player mode in this game. Yeah, so that part's a real shame. The fact that there are these characters that they created, they exist only at least uh, at this point in promotional materials and instruction manuals and whatnot. I think yeah. it maybe leaves the production of the game feeling a little bit on the bare bones side. For sure. There's also like a, a pretty limited number of tracks in this game as well, aren't there? Yeah, so basically there's 15 tracks in this game. The tracks are kind of built on a few different motifs. Basically the idea is that there's several different like kind of cities that these tracks take place in. You've got Mute City, White City. There's a few different locations and there's like a base track that has different things added to it or subtracted from it to like make different tracks out of that. So yeah, there are actually 15 different tracks, but there's there's a few different palettes for them, I guess you'd say. I feel like, you know, while there is some difference between those palettes or those cities or, you know, whatever you want to call them, I think like maybe aesthetically they're all a little bit on the samey side. That's kind of true. And I mean, I think that part of that is just that the the sort of overall aesthetic of what tracks look like in this game is very front and center, and that doesn't really change that much. You know, you've always got basically the same kind of ground, uh, you know, the same sort of energy-stopping bumpers on either side of the tracks. And, you know, with Mode 7, uh, whatever's right in front of you is really going to be extremely prominent. So it does end up making some of the tracks feel very similar, even when they're not explicitly supposed to be. Um, I do think, uh, as a counterpoint to that, though, one thing the game does a great job with in differentiating the different tracks from each other is the music, uh, which I think is fantastic in this game. Yes. I think it really shows what kind of new sound experiences the Super Nintendo's sound chip can give you. And um, I, do that, I do also think it's not a huge coincidence that even though they made other F-Zero games with very different sound profiles to them, whenever Nintendo kind of brings back F-Zero, Zero for uh, Mario Kart game or Smash Brothers, they always seem to go back to the music from this game specifically because it's really good and I do think that it does some of the heavy lifting in making uh, making the tracks feel they're not just kind of mixing around the same the same elements to make something different to rice on. Despite how many more F-Zero games would come out in the future and how much more they would kind of flesh out the world of F-Zero, making the characters more prominent. They even had an anime for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they did. So, you know, but despite all of that, I do feel like this is maybe the game that gets remembered more. It almost makes me wish that this game got a sequel on the Super Nintendo, because I do think that like with more time, if they could have added more features, once people are able to do a little bit more with the Super Nintendo hardware and add more chips to the cartridges and all that, I I think you could have had something really really cool that would have just been like an all-time classic super mario kart kind of started as them playing around with f-zero and trying to see what a two-player mode in it would look like and um it's worth noting that that super mario kart actually does include some some additional chips in the cartridge but i do think it is a bit of a shame that as much as i love mario kart the fact that that essentially took whatever the place of an F-Zero sequel might have been, meant that they just never made one for the Super Nintendo. It would certainly be hard for me to say that, like, I wouldn't want Mario Kart if it meant we got an F-Zero sequel, but boy, I sure wish we could have gotten both. In yeah, some <laughs> yeah that's, that's how I feel, too. I, I wouldn't trade Mario Kart for an F-Zero sequel, but... Yeah, it would have been nice if, if they had been a little more interested in, in going back to, to this WoW 
and uh, really seeing what they could do with that. Yeah, otherwise, still a very fantastic game, a really solid title, a really good demonstration of what the Super Nintendo can do right out of the gate. For sure. A fantastic game. And if we go look over at our uh, our list right now, which uh, has one entry on it, which is Super <laughs> Mario World. Yeah, um, I wonder where this one's going to go. I don't think this game is as good as Super Mario World. How do you feel about it? I agree with you. It's a good game. It is not Super Mario World. Yeah, good job, F-Zero. You get that number two spot, uh, at least for right now. Second best Super Nintendo game. Also, technically the worst at this point, but that that won't yeah. that won't be the case That's for a while. That's not going to last. I don't have a, a clever thing to insert here into pilot wings. Uh. Yeah, I, I legit can't think of a good transition between those two. Actually, let's uh, let's just ride that mode seven bitmap all the way over from the future back into the present. There I guess. we go. You, you did it. You did it. Okay. <laughs> um, because this game, Pilot Wings, also a launch game for the Super Nintendo in North America, also developed by Nintendo EAD. Also meant very much to show off the the power of Mode 7 and the new things that you could do with it. Yeah. This is one I have to say that um, I did not actually play any of when uh, it was originally out and, you know, when, when this would have been a new game. Yeah, I think maybe I played it once at a friend's house, once at a really weird thing my elementary school was doing where like it was like some kind of job fair and, and one of the jobs was pilot and so they had on pilot wings even though that was probably a very very poor representation of that probably. what yeah. that job would it entail takes these days out of flight school okay. uh yeah. there's that <laughs> i don't know I, I don't think that they have a lot of like uh like jetpack flying at most flight schools which this game definitely does but i mean we were yeah. still like mostly playing like oregon trail and lemonade stand and odell lake on our apple twos at this point so like sure. bringing in a super nintendo for any reason was a big deal oh yeah 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 so this game has got a number of modes um i also yeah like you said i i really didn't play this much at all i i did play quite a lot of pilot wing 64 which is a game i really enjoyed yes. back in the day I did too. Um, I played quite a bit of that, and I actually played a lot of the 3DS launch game, which was sort of the last time uh, they they brought Pilot Wings out of uh, out of Mothballs, uh, yeah. Pilot Wings Resort. Uh, I played a lot of that, um, and it was a, an awfully fun, if kind of limited game. Playing this with you was the first time I had gone back to um, original flavor, original recipe pilot wings on the Super Nintendo. We went through a few different modes. There was skydiving, there was the biplane, and there was the rocket belt, which yep. feels like a very out-of-place thing, is that's not a thing that actually exists, but... Uh... No, I, I will say, though, it is the part of this I had the most fun with. Oh, yeah. So I think that they were probably at a certain point like... We should put in something that's more video gamey here mm -hmm. to go along with these more real world flying things. There's apparently also a hang glider, which I don't think oh, right. either of us did. I, you know, I think I did do a little bit of that, but okay. Yeah, so th these are all okay. Again, like this game is really about showing off the mode seven, and it is pretty impressive what they do with it. Yeah, being able to like land and take off and see kind of the the ground drop away from you like that is pretty cool, really.
So just to explain a little bit about what this game is, um, it's basically, for the most part, pretty peaceful aviation enthusiast game, basically. Uh, you're at a flying club, you're doing different courses with these different vehicles to kind of improve the rank on your license, and you kind of move up, open up new courses. Yeah, each event gives you something kind of a little bit different to do, uh, which I think is neat. Mm -hmm. It does look really cool against the, the Mode 7 ground mm -hmm. as you ascend or descend in, in the various events, although I I really miss the fact that there's no verticality to the environment. Mm -hmm. Like everything is just on a flat plane below you. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like in Pilot Wing 64, obviously you could do polygons. Mm -hmm. You could have these big, fully three-dimensional set pieces. Yeah, you could have mountains. You could have valleys, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's any kind of a coincidence that the Pilot Wings games they were able to make with a full 3D environment play better and are more fun than, than this one. Like, I don't think... I appreciate what they were trying to do with this, but I don't really think it quite works. Yeah, and especially in a launch lineup that already contains F-Zero, which is a, a much more fun game that also works as a tech demo. When we were playing like the skydiving event, we were just banging our heads over how on earth you're even supposed to control this. I could not do, I genuinely don't know how you're supposed to do the skydiving event. We tried it multiple times to get our minds around it, but I personally just couldn't. Yeah, like you said, I, I respect it for what it's trying to do and, and trying to be a really impressive tech demo, but I, I it's, it's not as fun of a game to play as F-Zero. And I also think that like as a tech demo, it fails. You have a very limited amount of like actual things that you're flying around. You're just flying mm -hmm. over. Come, maybe it's unfair for me because I am kind of coming at it from the perspective of somebody who is mm -hmm. a big fan of Pilot Wings 64 and missed out on the first Pilot Wings. It is hard to go back to because of that. I think this is one of those games where the technical limitations of it do really kind of set it back when you go back to it this this much later, and that's unfortunate. Like, I don't really think it comes together that well as a whole game. Um, and I think that in comparison to F-Zero, which, you know, F-Zero is kind of a slim game, um, but it is like a complete design. I think it works really well with what it is. But this, I just don't think works as anything other than a technical showcase, and it's actually not that great of one at this point. Yeah, I don't really know that I have much more to say about this game, but... It's interesting to play it, uh, especially in context with these other games. Um, but it's uh, it's it's you know hard for me to be tremendously enthusiastic about it. Yeah, I'm definitely not enthusiastic about it. Um, I mean, you know, I I don't think it's a terrible game, and I you know I don't I'm not oh, no, upset that it exists. But yeah, it's it's just not something that I can recommend now or really want to go back to. Wow, what do you say we put this one on the list in the rankings and? Uh, where do you think it should go? I have no idea, really. I mean, gosh. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised you even need to ask because we were just talking about how it's not as good as F Zero, and F Zero is the second of two games on the list. So yeah, so hello, number three, Pilot Wings. Uh, yep, Pilot Wings. You get the the bronze medal for this event, and unfortunately, I don't think you're going to hold on to it for very long. Sorry. No, I don't think so either.
Next up, we've got Gradius 3, which is the first not Nintendo published game that we're going to be talking about on the Super Nintendo. This one was published by Konami yep. and is obviously a port of the very popular arcade game Gradius 3. So what do you know about Gradius 3? So Gradius 3 originally came out in 1989 in the arcades. Just to talk a little bit about Gradius. Gradius and uh, its its sequel, uh, which I believe in... In America, was the sequel called Life Force or Salamander? But those are they're they're side-scrolling um, shoot 'em up games, uh, not quite bullet hell, but on the road to that. And they have kind of a, a, a specific system for power-ups that is pretty interesting, where basically as you fly through these levels as your ship, the Vic Viper, you uh, collect these these glowing power-ups. The power-ups don't actually specifically give you the power-up. Um, basically, there's a bar across the bottom of the screen that's almost like kind of like a, a gear shift lever. And each time you collect a power-up, it moves that bar one space forward. And then you can essentially cash in the power-up on whatever's highlighted right now to get that. And that can give you extra missiles, new types of weapons to fire, speed boosts, or a thing called the option, which is kind of a little drone that will fly uh, alongside you and mimic whatever uh, you're currently shooting. By doing this, you can actually kind of pick and choose what power-ups you're going to get and kind of build your powers as you run through the stages. And this game does something that was new to the series, which lets you set a custom power-up bar before you start playing. So there's a few different options for like the kind of missile you could potentially pick up or the kinds of extra shot. So that was kind of new. Uh, the game is very difficult. It's, it's a really, really punishing game that apparently in the arcade version you actually could not continue on. That is a thing that was added for the Super Nintendo version, the ability to continue uh, at the current stage once all of your lives are depleted. Wow, even if even if you put in another quarter, you couldn't just continue on that? In the arcade That's game? my understanding, yeah. Huh. That's, that's my understanding uh, about the arcade game. Uh, it's not a thing that literally any home version of the game would ever kind of go back to. Like, I think the Super Nintendo version is the only one where you can just continue, but the later re-releases would let you restart from the stage. They would basically let you, like a lot of shoot 'em up games do, uh, let you kind of select what stage to start from once you had reached that stage in kind of the main playthrough. All the folks were getting ready to, to write comments and, and say, well, mm -hmm. actually, uh, so Gradius 2 was known as Vulcan Venture outside of Japan uh, in the arcades. Ah, okay. So, um, okay, got it, and got it. Uh, I guess Salamander slash Life Force was a spinoff of Gradius, not the ah, direct sequel. Ah, okay. So, there we go. Got it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for, for saving my mentions from, uh, <laughs> from, from that. Yeah. No problem. So, yeah, um, one thing that's pretty notable noticeable about this game uh, is that there is a lot of slowdown going on in this thing. Yes. Like, as soon as more than a few enemies are on screen, it does kind of slow to a crawl. And definitely is a difference between the way these kinds of games work on the Super Nintendo versus how shoot 'em ups on the Genesis work. Like, the, the Genesis actually had a faster processor, and it could run these games a lot faster. So that was part of the whole Genesis does what Nintendo don't thing. Part of that was 
hey, look, if you want these arcade perfect games that are going to play really fast, just like in the arcade, you got to go with the Genesis because the Super Nintendo can't do that. And eventually the Super Nintendo would get, you know, Nintendo would get around this kind of thing. Uh, other developers would, would figure out ways to make their games run much better than this. But it's pretty noticeable here. One thing that I do think is worth noting, I haven't played the arcade version of Gradius 3, so I can't really confirm this. My understanding, though, is that in this specific case, the arcade game of Gradius 3 actually did also have slowdown. So that might not necessarily be as much of a downgrade in this case as it would be in in, in other games of this type. So a little weird, but I don't, in some ways that actually, I feel like, makes the game almost more playable than... Uh, than, than it would be otherwise, because it's a lot easier to kind of dodge around uh, projectiles coming at you. Yeah, yeah. Side-scrolling shooters are tend to not really be my jam a lot of the time, but I do mm-hmm. really enjoy the power-up system of this one. You know, I, I think the opportunity to bank your power-ups and choose, you know, what and when to activate is a neat mechanic. Did we talk a little bit about the downside to that, which is that, like, if you die... No, we haven't mentioned that yeah, yet. When, when yeah. you die, you lose all the power-ups you've acquired up to that point, yeah. and boy, that can leave you in a real bad way uh, later on in the game when, when yeah. it, it, the game is sort of anticipating that you've built up a number of options to kind of make the game manageable. So when once you lose right. all of that and you're thrust back into the level you were just at, it could almost be impossible to proceed from there because you don't even have the weapons that you once had and you're probably not going to mm-hmm. get a chance to build them up before that that boss comes back who took you out the last time yeah it really contributes to kind of a death spiral honestly yeah like it's like you lose one life you're almost gonna certainly lose the rest of them too so yeah it's just like you died once well you you might as well just hit the reset button because you're 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 not moving any further here probably and I, i think like maybe a more forgiving system of letting you keep some of your powers between deaths might have made this a more enjoyable experience. But I, I do still think of it on the whole. It's it's a very good game. It is a lot of fun. It's attractive. It's got pretty nice sprites and good music. Um, really nice little uh, opening sequence, too, uh, of, like, the Vic Viper getting launched yeah. out of out of its sort of, like, mothership. It's a good-looking game. I mean, Konami was sort of known for their production values. I don't know that I have much more to say about this one, but I do like it despite its sort of technical problems and sort of the, the, the just sort of endemic brutalness of the design of these games yeah i mean if it does have the same kind of slowdown that even the arcade version does it it certainly puts a little bit of a damper on the argument that like you can find better versions of it elsewhere that's probably still true but i think it like is a piece of super nintendo software i think this is more enjoyable than pilot wings definitely i agree with that i i do i don't think overall that it's a game that i would enjoy playing for as long as i could probably play f-zero for i think that even though f-zero is kind of doing its pretty limited thing it's doing its thing really well and this one is also doing its thing well but it does feel a little bit hindered in some ways and there, there's also just like a sense that there are aspects of it that are that are pretty punishing in a way that like can can kind of wear you down after a while. So I personally wouldn't put this above F Zero. It's a little bit closer for me, but I think ultimately I'm I'm 
I'm definitely in agreement with you that I don't think this quite rises uh, above F Zero. Um, they are very different games, obviously, and, and they're doing very different yeah, things. Yeah, but it's I, not. I, it's yeah. not really like an apples to apples comparison. But I, I definitely think F Zero for what it does, it it does kind of leave you with the whole oh, one more race sort of mentality. Whereas, yeah, yeah, um, you can start a game of Gradius Three and have a lot of fun, but once you hit that first death late in the game, you're probably finished with it for a while. I think this definitely definitely goes uh, between F-Zero and Pilot Wings. All right. That's Gradius 3, which is now our number three game. So now we've got Super Mario World, F-Zero, Gradius 3, Pilot Wings. That's the rankings. And we've got one more game on the list for today. Time to come back down to Earth, get out of space, get a little bit more, uh, a little bit more mundane, a little bit more day to day here, and uh, focus on running a city for a little while. Our last game for today is Sim City. I think first time that this game had shown up on uh, on any kind of, of uh, non-computer platform. Yeah, I'm not sure if it had been on another console before this. I know that there was an NES version of it planned, but that never. Yeah, uh, uh, Rama actually recently got sort of dumped onto the internet, so that is actually playable now. But it never. Oh, came... interesting. Yeah, um, apparently it's pretty good. It's quite a bit like this. Huh. It was. It was also part of Tindo's uh, kind of own sort of redevelopment of this game for their system. So it, it does share a lot in common with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's apparently it was pretty complete, but they decided to just go ahead and put this out only on the Super Nintendo. I think this is a very, uh, very fun city builder. SimCity was everywhere around this time. It was on pretty much every single computer, so it was only a matter of time before it showed up on consoles. I did not play these. They just seemed a little bit too overwhelming to me. I, I had a friend who played some SimCity, so I watch, I would watch him play SimCity for a little while, because it was interesting. Yeah. But as far as, like, taking in the controls and, and doing any of this myself, it just seemed like, oh, there's just this is just way over my head. I don't think I could do it. Going back into it now, it's interesting because it is actually like a really enjoyable way to, to, to kill some time. I really enjoyed my time with the Super Nintendo version of this game. I think it's actually surprisingly approachable, personally. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, definitely. I, I didn't really play this at the time either, but uh, yeah, playing it now, I think it's cool. Uh, you know, and, and this version... It's, it's worth noting, this version was sort of, I, I guess, kind of co-developed by Maxis, the original developers, and Nintendo. So this actually has some pretty specific things to this version that if you, like, for example, if you look at the Wikipedia page for SimCity, uh, there is a, a thing on there that lists all of the different ports of the game, and the entry for this port is much longer and more extensive than the other ones because there's a lot that's really specific to this one going on here. Uh, for one thing, the graphics are really different. Everything, the buildings and everything look way more Japanese in this than they do in original SimCity. Several of the specific things that can happen in the game, like there's a, a disaster that you can bring down on the city in the original game that's just like a big sort of generic Godzilla monster. That's replaced with Bowser in this. There's a Mario statue that you can get as a reward to put in your city. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on here. The music's completely different. It's got like a Koji Kondo soundtrack, which is great. Uh, I love the way the music in this game sounds. I think it 
works really well with the controller, which is not a thing that would be a given necessarily. The Super Nintendo mouse wouldn't come out for quite some time, so this was not going to be mouse compatible. They did a good job of, of translating the controls to a Super Nintendo controller. It actually works pretty well. Uh, the UI is pretty readable. Probably still recommend tracking down an instruction manual for this if you can, but yeah. even if you can't find one, the game is still playable. You can still manage. Yeah, and it does do some work to try to explain how it, how it works. Uh, it has a little character named Dr. Wright, who is sort of physically based on the look of Will Wright, the creator of uh, of SimCity originally, um, who will pop up and kind of explain different functions of the UI to you at different points in like kind of the first hour of you playing the game. So they are putting in some work to make sure the game is legible, even if you're just picking up the game and you haven't bothered to read through the whole instruction manual. Like you, this isn't entirely my sort of go-to type of game, but I did really enjoy our time with this. Yeah, so did I. I had a lot of fun with this game, and you know, it, it's definitely something I could see myself just putting on a podcast on some day when I when I thankfully have a couple hours to myself and don't have anything I need to be doing, and <laughs> yeah, you know, just just kind of relax, play this game for a little while, and, and listen to some stuff. It's a lot of fun. Although, yeah, the one it's chill, yeah, yeah, the one thing make, maybe making it not an ideal podcast game is that like you might actually want to listen to the music for a while because it's it's That's pretty true. good. It's pretty good music. I don't think this would probably replace anyone's computer version of the old game if they, you know, have the sort of nostalgia for those games that I think a lot of people who played SimCity back in the day do. Mm -hmm. But this is still a, a perfectly good version of this game. I can't say for sure what this game might have had to leave out to fit on a Super Nintendo cartridge, if anything. Well, what's interesting is that reading about this, it actually seems that this game had some stuff added to it that was not in the original version. Like, this has a few additional scenarios, because uh, one of the things, in addition to kind of the basic sandbox mode for this game, uh, this game has sort of scenarios for you to play through where the city is set up in a specific way or has a specific problem that you need to solve by developing, like, the city's infrastructure in specific ways or, or what have you. And this game actually has two additional scenarios that the original one didn't have. And also some, like, uh, additional kind of flourishes. The color of leaves will change over time as the game moves from, like, spring to fall. There's these reward buildings you can get to put in the city if you do well enough, like uh, casinos and, and public parks and stuff like that. And those started here, but eventually those those aspects showed up later in the sequels to SimCity, SimCity 2000, that kind of stuff. So this, this game has got some moves. It's got some stuff going on that other versions of the game didn't necessarily have. If you were a big fan of the older SimCity games, this one might actually be up your alley, too. Other yeah. than the fact that, you know, there's there's no mouse and keyboard controls, though. That that might be a big problem for some people. But Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a drawback. Against this one, I would say personally, even if you have played other versions of SimCity, this one's kind of maybe worth a look, just as not necessarily a better version, but as like kind of a different interpretation of it. So, but since it is not our job to rank this in comparison to other PC games, games or versions of this game we are just ranking this in comparison to other super nintendo games i definitely think this is uh easily a bigger success than pilot wings i think it's a better game than that yes i do agree with that so um i think it gets a little trickier trickier with gradius 3 where because they're very different kinds of games extremely for sure. different kinds of games um I am almost a little bit tempted to put this above Gradius 3, though, because I think I enjoyed this more. I think, you know, it, it's 
it's easier to play this for a long period of time than it is Gradius 3. I think I agree with that. I I do think that as much as I do enjoy Gradius 3, and I think it's a really good first attempt at doing that kind of game on the Super Nintendo hardware, um, I think I would enjoy playing this one for a much longer period of time than than I I would necessarily for Gradius 3. What do you think about this game in comparison to F-Zero? Oh man, that's really tough because I think they're both mechanically very good games. You know, this kind of arcadey style, really kind of tech-pushing racing game and this very slow-paced, very chill city management game in some ways couldn't be more different, honestly. Yeah. But they are both kind of making a case that this that new types of games are possible on the Super Nintendo that just wouldn't have been done before. Yeah, like the, the, I, I, maybe the Super Nintendo is bridging the gap between arcade and computers just a little bit. Yeah, there's close enough in quality that a lot of this does come down to kind of personal taste. F-Zero is definitely more my type of game than SimCity, but I do think SimCity is really fun. I mean, SimCity has a lot of features in there where F-Zero feels very feature light, but F-Zero also just has that style that, like, couldn't really be done on anything else at the time, whereas, like, SimCity kind of feels like, well, this is something that's already been done on everything else. Right, and this is a good version of it, but it's still just a version of it that you know is is sort of competing for you know mind space with all these other versions that already exist yeah and also where you know the super nintendo is making an argument maybe starting to gain some sort of parity between it and arcades SimCity has one big problem that's going to always keep it from too much parity between it and pc games which is the lack of a keyboard so i I think maybe that keeps it out of the top two i think you're right i think that given that sim that 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 F-Zero was really kind of purpose-built for this kind of machine. And SimCity is a good adaptation, but still, you know, an adaptation where some choices had to be made. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, yeah, I think that you're right. I think I would agree with you that this would go below F-Zero in, in the ranking. Okay. So it looks like we've got Super Mario World still at number one, F-Zero at number two, SimCity at number three, Grotty's three at number four, Pilot Wings at number five. Um, and, you know, I am happy to say nothing on here that I think is bad yet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think even the least of these games is a unique and interesting Super Nintendo experience that did have a lot of effort put into it. Yeah. Certainly going to get to games eventually that we can't say that about at all. So but let's let's enjoy this high while we can, where, where we've got, yeah. like, hey, even the worst thing on this list, there are nice things we can say about it. Yes, absolutely. That's going to bring uh, this episode of Sinescapades to a close. This is also going to bring August of 1991 to a close, because when we uh, start our next episode, we will be in September of 1991. Uh, what, what do we have for next time? So next time, we're going to be looking at Hyperzone, Hal's Hole-in-One Golf, Draken, and a final fight. We can talk about a couple of games by Hal. Yeah, that's going to be cool. First appearance, but definitely not the last for a, a long-standing developer. So a couple of quick notes, too, about these games. So for the, at least this first year, we're going to talk about all of the games that came out, including the sports titles. Um, we may reserve the right to leave sports titles <laughs> out of this going forward because yeah. neither of us are sports fans, and not only do we not have much interest in it, but we also wouldn't really 
have a lot to bring to a discussion about a sports game that somebody who doesn't know these sports better couldn't talk about. But yeah, we will, we will cross that bridge when we come to it, friends. That's right. But for right now, uh, we are going to go through everything that came out during the launch window. And that does include those sports games. So buckle up for that. Yeah, you know, I, I had a lot of fun today. Uh, Emmy, is there anything else you want to talk about before we go today? I'm really pleased with this sort of clutch of games that we have here from the, the kind of immediate launch lineup. Frankly, I think most systems would would be envious to have a launch lineup as good as this system has. Oh, yeah. Like, uh. lots of really unique, really interesting games that, you know, if you picked up really any of these on launch day, I think you'd have a good time with it. And you would be able to show off your new system to people and be like, hey, look at this cool thing I've got. So, you know, I think so far Super Nintendo is doing pretty well right out the gate. I, I agree. So, all right. It feels good. Anyway, folks, thank you all so much for listening. I'm Steampunk Link. And I'm Emmy Zero. And until next time, play it loud. Our intro outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty free at technoaxe.com. For more of our content, check out honestpiranha.com. Thanks for listening.